Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in the Orlando bubble. NBA playoff action coming at us fast and furious. I'm trying to figure out what in the world we saw last night in Game 7 of the conference semifinals. One of the favorites to win it all went down in uh, in epic fashion. And uh, joining us today to talk about it is Detroit's finest, one of my all-time favorite players and people, Chris Weber of TNT. Webb, I don't know what it looked like from where you were sitting, but from courtside, that was one of the most stunning flameouts I've seen of a contender in all my years watching basketball. When you wake up and think about what the Clippers did last night, man, what is where do you put that in terms of the context of how their season was supposed to go and how it finished? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. I, I check out your podcast all the time when I'm working out. Well, I can't even say work. I can't even say working out when I'm when I'm faking like I'm working out. Man. <laughs> uh, time it up, but uh, man, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this game is humbling, man. Not only the players, but I mean, to reporters, analysts. You know, I'm I'm not one of those guys that that you know kind of don't say when they're wrong. And I I had uh, the Clippers uh, since the very announcement to win it all. I thought that the consistency on the defensive end every night would give them an advantage. Now, I do think maybe the bubble changed that. Maybe it didn't. I, you know, I call the bubble the great equalizer because I think, you know, without the crowd, without that tangible momentum, sometimes it's different when, when you have that. But so what? This is what is going on now. But I think what we saw was that the Clippers don't have a shot blocker. And the defense on the perimeter got exposed. I mean, players are so good in this game. And so man, I I was just surprised. When they got to 18, I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I left and went to the other room. <laughs> I was just disgusted watching the game. Uh, listen, Webb, sitting there, I was sitting right on the floor, too, which this is one of the beauties of the bubble is that we get to sit close to the floor again like we did years ago as media, you know. And uh, Paul George put a three up from the corner that went off the side of the backboard. I saw that. And I looked around and thought to myself, is this for real? And then late in the game, Jokic is at the top of the key. He throws a pass from his down by his waist up over his back. No look. I was like, yo, they're not just beating the Clippers. They were clowning them by the end of that game. I mean, they were. And this is the thing, too. They hit a lot of threes, but they clowned them with their style of play. And meaning that was a wonderful pass by Yoko, because I'm not taking anything from that. But the only reason why he could do that is because his man cut so hard. Right. You know what I'm saying? So the cutting is there. They cut with what I call integrity. Like, no matter if you get the rock or not, every time you cut the same. And a lot of teams won't do that. That's why you don't see as much cutting, because it's tough to cut and, and to make a cut to get open. And if you don't touch it, to do it three times in a row, four times in a row. And so the way that they play, you know, you have to give Grant uh, a lot of credit. I mean, he's yeah. hitting threes, not as consistent as he's going to, but he's moved his game up a lot. But defensively, you know, um, I mean, you know, and before the game, I told someone, they said, what do you feel? I said, well, I picked the Clippers to win it all, but I'm scared they won't get by tonight. But an 18, <laughs> 18 point, I mean, you know, come on, man. It, that was just a beatdown. I'm, I'm really shocked by that. Yeah. Everybody's going to pick the Clippers apart today. They'll, there'll be rationalizations for why it didn't happen or blame. To me, there's so much to spread around in terms of responsibility. But the one thing I keep coming back to is if, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to be held in the esteem and the regard that they want to be as players, then don't they have to own that? 
Don't 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 players own those kinds of performances? You combine for twenty four points in a game seven in a series you've been up three one. That's got to fall on the guys out there on the floor, doesn't it? I mean, if LeBron and, and AD do that, we're definitely going to pick that apart. I think that it I, honestly, I think it's spread, you know, evenly. But I, I would go four different ways. One with the head coach. Mm-hmm. We all know Doc's a great coach, and he has a championship. But uh, I think he's uh, six and seven. I don't. I'm not sure, but uh, I know he doesn't have a great record in Game Sevens in closeout games. If you look, you know, the Clippers history and other things when he had Paul. And so, you know, I think there's going to have to be some evaluation there. Hopefully not fine, but some evaluation there. Then I think you have to go to Kawhi, um, secondly. Uh, second, I think that now the regular season matters. I think the argument of, oh, he can just play and he just wants to win in the postseason, that's cool. But now uh, that you've had a chance to do it, you know, the greatness of LeBron is that he plays those games. Uh, Not always 82. Uh, I think he's only done it one time. But uh, to be that consistent all season long with the same rigors and come in and prove it in the playoffs, I think you got to go to Paul George, who, man, (laughs) and he plays so hard defensively and one of the smoothest players on the court. But, man. You know, again, I was disappointed in Denver in the past. I had higher expectations for Denver two years ago. And so they've always, in my mind, been cut to prove me wrong. And they've definitely done that. But this is who I thought Denver could be a long time because they have one of the deepest teams. And then I think, lastly, um, I think Lou Williams Hmm. and Montrez Harrell. You know, I know the player was upset because I said that it should be easier for Harrell to get back into a rhythm because his skill – his motor and his heart and soul, and some people got mad at that, but but that's what it is. And so I expect more of him in these type of situations, especially in those last games. You know, Lou, to me, you know, is the best six-man ever. So I, I think he has to take a lot of that blame, too. Yeah, they – as much as we – you're going to focus on the Clippers, too. I mean, this Nuggets team, you watch a group kind of develop over the years, and you mentioned having ex- higher expectations for them a couple of years ago when – when I think they were still on on the horizon last year, I had them in the playoffs in that series against Portland when they lost a deciding game on their home floor to go to the Western Conference Finals. Is there something to be said for the the incremental climb that they've been on, missing out on the playoffs on the last game of the season, you know, a few years ago, then making it, making a run, but not quite getting there this year, having a breakthrough? Isn't that traditionally the way we've seen it, where a team has to go through some of that? adversity and hard times to get to this next point? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I was about to say, you know the game. That's how it's traditionally been, except when, you know, super teams. And so when Kawhi, Paul George traded, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this super team could do it. But no, this is the traditional climb the way that it should be. And, you know, it's not a surprise with a coach's son and Coach Malone. You know, if you saw the teams that he coached, whether Sacramento or other places, his players are some of the most loyal to him. And, uh, you know, when they talk to you, you know, off the record, you know, they're really loyal to them. So, yeah, it is a story. And I think that's what's missing, whether in college sports or NBA or, you know, sometimes even, you know, in football, is that the fact that you can't become emotionally attached to the growth of someone else's team in another city. And when I fell in love with Denver was when they lost to Minnesota 
whatever year that was. Yeah, three years ago, last night of the season, yeah. Okay, because Jokic, did you see the game that he had then? And I can tell a lot about guys in a loss. Like, everybody's going to chop the Clippers up because of their demeanor in a loss. Well, you know, I could tell a lot about a team that fights to, to the end. And in that game, you know, and, and then again, when Murray this year, you know, I, I love when players put the onus on himself and he says, well, I had a bad playoff last year. You know, and so you know a guy's been thinking about that enough to say it comfortably to address it. And so, um, yeah, you definitely, you know, want to root for them. To me, Webb, this whole bubble experience has really exposed kind of – you hear these teams talking about we just hooping. Like the, the Heat talk about that. We just hoopers. We're going, going out there and hoop. Celtics kind of on that same vibe. I wrote it last week that the fear factor – down here it seems to have vanished like nobody seems scared of anybody else no team walks into a to that home arena when you're the road team feeling intimidated by the crowd I mean this is such a pure competitive environment you know playing on these foreign courts and with no crowd like you're used to I'm wondering if you're looking at these final four teams and saying to yourself I think this is what might happen but anything could happen based on the makeup of these four teams that are left. This is the great equalizer. I'll keep saying it over and over. One of the things I loved seeing the other day was uh, watching the Celtics game and seeing Jason Tatum's son on the side playing a video game. Because (laughs) that's what basketball is. You have a son. You know it is. Taking him to the game. The other kids run. To me, that's the best feeling of basketball because that's how everybody in that room grew up. Everybody in that room grew up with their parents on the side, just close family, not 50 people. It's not like the games, you know, uh, 50 people, entourage. No, uh, just the family. And it's a great equalizer because of this, if we're really honest. The refereeing has been a little bit better because referees are human. So if they're getting booed by 20,000 people, just like it will affect the shot, it affects calls. You know, it's less technicals and less, you know, because of all of that energy. And I'm giving Portland all the credit in the world. but. You know, we don't take travel into account. Travel is, it can be tough and probably tougher than anything else. That wake up in the morning, having to do media when you you just got in town and, you know, you twisted your ankle and now swelling comes into effect. So uh, the rehabilitation is quicker, the same exact rims, and you don't have to deal with your media as much. So no one had to go home and say, oh, man, we're 2-0. and Like, no one, you know how in traditional ball we would say the game doesn't start till somebody wins on the uh, opponent's court. Well, that, that never had to happen here. It's never that pressure. The game sevens weren't the same. They are. The game six weren't the same because we have to give NBA teams production and fans a lot of credit. I mean, if anything, fans should realize how important they are because they really do have – something to do with the field goal kicker missing the shot or a player missing a, a shot, even though we saw shots off the side of the backboard. I mean, they do it themselves, but, you know, so, yeah, it's the great equalizer. And I wouldn't, you know, be surprised if Miami won it all. I said it, I said it before, and I'm just going to say it again. Uh, just because it's no more fear factor, it's no more pomp and circumstances. It's just put on the jerseys, shirts, and skin, and let's rock. Chris, if you look at this field, this Final Four, how do you handicap it? Where do you find a favorite amongst these four teams that are still playing? 
Well, I think LeBron has to be a favorite anytime you have a player, a player <laughs> and a coach <laughs> like him on the floor, you know, just his experience and, uh, you know, the, the, he's championship or bust. Uh, but I do think that, you know, just to put it on him as great as he is, is a lot because uh, it is a team game and you can just ask the Miami Heat that or uh, the Celtics mm-hmm. that or, or any other team or even Denver. How I would handicap it is that it's, you know, the Lakers in the field, but the field is going to have a lot to say about this. So uh, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if, if anything happened because, again, you're not traveling in the Staples Centers and you don't see Kobe's jersey next to Magic's right. up and next to Jerry West. You, you know, it's none of the pomp and circumstance. It's just straight up hooping in the gym and it's the essence. And I've seen a lot of ball in, in gyms like that. So uh, Lakers in the field, but you never know. Marcus Moore said something interesting after the game last night when I was talking to him. And he was just saying that having experienced it, he said that he will have the utmost respect for whoever wins this championship because of the circumstance, because of the shutdown. Then you have to come down here to the bubble and completely restart a season after what's longer than a normal offseason, that four month break is longer than you would normally get in terms of a break in between seasons. Does it, does this strike you as one of those rare moments in this sport when the asterisk is actually going to be a a good thing as opposed to a bad thing for the champion? I think, yeah. And at the least it'll be debatable. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that some that may not give it the respect are going to say it's no travel. And if it's no travel as a player, you should be able to play your best at any time. They're going to say, if you're a rookie and you never made it to the playoffs before, then you don't get it at all. You still haven't been to the playoffs. So I'm going to say the pressure with the crowd there, and you know, it's not the same. So um, that's one thought. But having been in that bubble, the mental toughness, I think, uh, the team aspect of it, and this is why I really mean um, it's a team game And as far as Lakers in the field. The benches have to give so much more energy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not looked at as just silly antics anymore. It's looked at as, okay, <laughs> let me pump you up, and we have to manufacture our own energy. And so, uh, but it is, to me, after being there, uh, one of the toughest situations that I've seen uh, because uh, just the mental... I just don't know how these guys get any mental relief. You know, it's no yeah. going to the movies, but it's no getting away from basketball. And that's what coaches usually tell you on your day off. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely have a high uh, respect for what these guys are going through. Yeah. Now, that's that's interesting. You can't, you were here, you left, and now you're coming back. Um, you know, I'm wondering what that's like in terms of for anybody this experience, just because I'm here to tell you the seven day quarantine. I'm not joking. It is the weirdest week that I can remember having just in terms of being stuck in a place that I'm there voluntarily. I'm here knowing that I'm here to do the work, but that being stuck and not even being able to leave your room for a week. And then you get away from this, go home, you're back in the, you with your family, whatever, and then you got to come back to this. Mentally, that will be playing tricks on me, and I'm not even playing. One of the best things I saw was the picture of Van Vliet when his kids saw him in the basement. So for me, a family guy, it would have absolutely, you know, killed me. That was the longest. When I was in the bubble, I've been away uh, for my three-year-olds, and now they can understand being away. So, again, I cannot imagine it, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, when it really hit me, uh, when I was getting a little bit of fatigue and seeing others and saying, wow, I'm not even playing, but it hit me after a TNT game and uh, Jared 
uh, Greenberg asked uh, Paul George after the game, you know, uh, how's he feeling about his shot? And it was just one of the most honest answers I've seen in sports. And I was proud of him for giving that honest answer, you know, uh, but also really amazed that, wow, okay, it takes a serious nerve to be in this place, extra concentration, and these guys are being professionals. Yeah, no question about that. We got the Western Conference Finals um, on TNT's airwaves, obviously. Um, The matchups will be what they are. Everybody that makes it to a Final Four of any competition has to have kind of that inner confidence and that belief in themselves that they're going to be able to get it done. You've been there before. What's that like when you know that it's concentrated down to just these teams? Like, how are they approaching that every, you know, step in the preparation for that? All I know is really how I've, I've approached it and, and talked to other players uh, that, you know, we battle against in those kind of final four settings uh, in the NBA with. And it was really, it's really almost, um, there is no reward until there's a reward. So, <laughs> It's messed up that you're one game away and you can't think about what it would be like to get to the championship. You know, like uh, you just can't allow yourself. And, you know, if you do, and maybe let's say, maybe the Clippers were thinking about, okay, let's get this series. Who knows? Um, But but there cannot be any distractions. And that distraction, because most distractions, you know, are are wrestling in your mind. And that distraction can't be one of success. Definitely can't be one of failure. You got to have blinders on, man, just like a horse. You can only look forward. And uh, <laughs> and I think that's what the good teams uh, are doing right now. That's why I give uh, the Lakers the advantage because I think, you know, uh, I was talking to Jawan Howard about what it was like when, you know, everybody always talks about, and LeBron's not going dark on the internet this year, but, you know, when he goes dark, you know, what does that mean? Oh, he turns into a different person. And he just gave me, you know, different examples of not, you know, anything Superman-ish, but something that's like, you know, I'm not playing around and you better not be playing around either. You know, whether it's changing demeanor, whether it's attention to detail, whether it's changing routine, I'm sure that LeBron's prepared more than anyone in the setting for that. But there's no one more prepared for this situation of isolation uh, more than him. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Guy who's been there so many times in his career. Um, well, look, we, we're waiting on you here in the bubble, man. You come on back. We're getting ready to crown a champion, see who can survive this Final Four Crucible in the conference finals in the NBA playoffs. Chris Weber, TNT, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Always appreciate your time, man. Oh, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. 